ladies and gents. You're in for a very special episode today. Um, whenever there's an opportunity to do something really positive with the podcast, I honestly jump at the opportunity. And when Ross uh, reached out to talk about how he'd uh, like the opportunity to share his journey, his personal journey um, with mental health um, for World Mental Health Day, I jumped at the uh, opportunity to sit down with him. So um, I'm really looking forward to all of you listening. It's a slightly different episode. We dive a lot into his recruitment journey, but really dive deep into his personal journey with mental health. And it's taken him a, a real long while to to share and be willing to openly share his journey um, and his sort of past life because, yeah, some real tragic story that that happened to Ross and um he's now sort of really um wanting to use this so it can help others um and yeah it, it just felt really special and felt really grateful um for Ross being willing to to jump on the podcast and share his story because there was at times in this episode that I could tell he he found it extremely difficult which he openly talks about but by the end of it he was really buzzing, which was great to see. And I think at the end of the day, this is um, with all um, with one purpose in mind, and that is to to really try and um, have an impact on um, making mental health a, a topic that people can openly discuss. And, and Ross is really passionate about this due to his personal journey, um, and he's also really actively trying to make a difference and impact um, the conversation around mental health um, within his business and um, by openly talking about his journey on on a podcast like this. So um, really looking forward for all of you to listen. Real, real uh, special episode. I hope you enjoy it. This is the Recruitment Rollercoaster podcast. My name is Hisham Azuz, and today I'm joined by Ross Taylor, who is one of the co-founders of Hidden. And uh, today is gonna be um, a special episode, I think. Um, me and Ross wanted to, to sit down, um, and we're gonna be sharing this on uh, World Mental Health Day. That is right, yeah? That is right. Yeah, so I think today we're gonna um, do what we normally do on the show and talk about Ross's uh, career in recruitment because it's a pretty lengthy one, thanks to say the least. <laughs> and I'm sure you've learned a lot, the, uh, a lot along the way, which a lot of people can get a lot of value from. But I think um, I'm really looking forward to to actually give some real context and some real things for people to think about with this word mental health, which is very overused now, I think, and very um, easy to use. So I'm actually really excited to um, really dive into that with you, if I'm honest. Yeah, it's a hot topic for sure. Yeah, right it's now. a hot topic. I'm looking forward to exploring it. Yeah, so where I always like to start um, on the show, uh, Ross, is uh, how you got into recruitment. Because ha- how long have you been in, t- in recruitment? Well, a very long time. For, yeah, a very long you. time, sorry. Yeah. Um, and thank you for having me on the podcast. Um, big fan of your podcast. Thank you. And delighted to be here and exploring these topics with you. Um, I've been in recruitment since 2004. Wow. Yeah, okay. Do you remember them? Yeah, I remember them, Dave. Yeah, (laughs) long time ago. (laughs) So, over a decade, how did you get into recruitment? Um, Oh, mate, the absolute classic story of falling into recruitment. Really? Yeah, totally. I was um, 
I was actually at a full moon party in Thailand. Well, yeah. And uh, I got. So, you, so, just to clarify, you wasn't there on an incentive, so you wasn't already in recruitment? No, no, I was there uh, at the back end of a year and a half away. Oh, nice. Um, and just with not very much clarity on what I wanted to do at all. Um, and, you know, neon paint dancing around some <laughs> terrible trance music on a beach. <laughs> Uh, and I got a message from my sister, actually. She was turning 21, and I hadn't seen her for a very long time, and she was kind of threatening that if I didn't return she would for her 21st, she wouldn't speak to me again. Really? Uh, so I went straight from full moon party to airport to home. Okay. Uh, and turned up at Manchester Airport, still in camo shorts and neon paint. Wow. Quite the scene. Um, I didn't have braids, though. Lots of uh, friendship bracelets. <laughs> and... Um, I had to get a job mm. uh, and I had to get a job quickly. Um, I have uh, a passion for creativity, so I wanted to work in marketing or events. Okay, interesting. So I went for what I thought was an interview in events, but it was just the registration with the recruiter. <laughs> this always happens. Always happens. <laughs> You'll be good in recruitment. What's recruitment? I had a look into it. Um, and here I am turning gray many <laughs> years later, still okay. in the same job. Cool. So let's just frame it up um, quickly. So from what I saw on LinkedIn, you worked for a company at a consultant level for two years. I did. Yeah. Yes, I did. A and company that's still going strong, I believe. Yeah. Uh, Ven Group, founded by Alexander Badenoch. Okay. So what Recruitment if, legend. <laughs> recruitment legend. Worked in there for two years. I did. Public then sector finance. Public sector finance. So how, how, cre how creative was that? <laughs> Not very. <laughs> Not very. Um, I did have one favourite candidate, though, who was called DJ Merv. Who DJ was a, Merv. He was a parking officer in London Borough of Brent, and he had his little... This is how long ago it was. He had a Discman. A Discman? Yeah. Do you, you ever experience Discman? What's a Discman? <laughs> like CDs, like, you know, portable CDs with your headphones. Um, and we used to listen to house music in the, the um, parking office in Brent. Okay. <laughs> I was like, that's about <laughs> as creative as it got. <laughs> okay, so we're there for two years. Then you left uh, there to go to another business. And then um, you progressed to, was it director level? Was it senior consultant level? So in that business, I yeah, I was headhunted to set up a new division. Okay. Um, and they were a perm-centric business, and I was brought in to, to start the freelance team and worked my way through to the board there um, okay. an associate director and, and built a team um, over a period of about five years. Over five years, okay. And what sector was that, sorry? So that was into the creative industry. And then and is that, that was, where you've now remained? Yeah, absolutely. And that was the real attraction for me that mm. I, I didn't even know being in public sector finance in a business that did all the traditional kind of recruitment sectors across insurance and finance and banking and IT that recruiters in the creative industries existed. Mm. And could very easily just stay like just look at, stay within your sort of four walls, can't you? And Absolutely, especially that sort yeah. of time as well. Absolutely. I think actually when I look at the creative industries as a whole, it has a brand challenge of attracting talent into itself, full stop actually from an awareness point of view. Um, let alone knowing that there are such niche recruitment businesses out there servicing such brilliant sectors. And for me, having the opportunity to walk into that, that sector, ditch the suit, mm. uh, you know, go into all these wonderfully passionate and innovative businesses, mm. um, aside really from 
you know, aside from having the uh, entrepreneurial opportunity of starting my own my own team, um, was really exciting. Really exciting. Okay, so then and then that's been the set that you've remained. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. So you was there. So you said you got to the sort of board level, director level at, within six years, right? Yes. And then and then after that, you then um, went to Gemini People. Is that how you pronounce it? Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. And then how long was you there for? Uh, so we founded that business. Oh, so you was one of the co-founders Absolutely. There. Oh, okay, I didn't know yeah. that. Yeah, yeah, we founded that business in um, June 2011. Mm. Uh, and we ran that for six years. Because that's still going now, right? Yes. Yeah, yeah, okay, cool. So then you so then you was, yeah, obviously one of the co-founders from day one. Went, okay, she was at board level, then you started your own business. And then... Yeah. Um, I headhunted to do so at that point, actually. Really? So it was a slightly different story than the classic kind of big biller going to do it on his own. Yeah. It was more um, an opportunity that presented itself to me um, mm. from an investor to kind of go and start uh, a recruitment business in the creative space. Okay. Which was what, which was, what was so attractive to me, actually, at the time. Mm. And, you know, I was only 26 at that really? point. Really? Yeah. Um, and I left that particular business with my co-founder, um, so I presented him with the opportunity as well, um, and although legally that's not how it happened, <laughs> um, um, we, uh, we left together to set up that okay. business. All right, cool. And then where you are today, start hidden. Same co-founder. Same co-founder. We've worked together a long time. Yeah, okay, so how long have you worked with your co-founder? Um, since... Goodness me, more than 10 years. Really? Okay, yeah. amazing. Okay, and then you're now, is it a year in? Since 2007, I think, is when we started working together. Okay, 2007. I thought yeah. you meant 2007 you started Hidden. I was like, hang on a minute. No, so, no. So then how long have you been in business um, with, with the Hidden? Um, so Hidden agency? is now 14 months old. 14 months old, okay. Yeah, so we're really early days on the journey. Yeah, interesting. So look. Let me break, okay, let's, let's break that down a bit. Some key parts which I'm thinking would be the most valuable for the people listening. Sure. Let, let's jump into some of the, the, the core um, parts and then we'll segue on to the, the mindset and the, the mental health piece. Sure. Yeah? So the first thing, which I think would be really interesting, um, even though you've been in there a really long time now, um, when you change sector, yeah. how difficult was that? I think it's always a challenge. I mean, I'm of the mindset of many people in recruitment that if you get talent acquisition, you can do it in any sector. Okay. Um, what, what helped me massively was that it was a sector I was moving into that I was really interested in. Mm. And I genuinely wanted to immerse myself in it, both mm. in the working day and at home and on the journey in. And I just found it so interesting engaging with clients and candidates that I just wanted to learn. Okay. Um, so in that regard, I didn't even see it as work half the time. Really? Um, and the environment of kind of moving around porter cabins in councils to big ad agencies and all of the kind of um, fun and games that comes with that environment um, was brilliant. Okay, that's really interesting. So I was just thinking a lot of people listening will have quite a bit of recruitment experience or early on and um, maybe thinking about making a move, but I think there is a real sort of headache around, well, I built up this two, three year network and I do really like this industry or I, do, I am considering a move because tech's really big or whatever, but 
you always think about that, right? Well, yeah. I, am I chucking away all these relationships or whatever? So I guess the sort of um, thing to think about there is if you're going into an industry that generally you have a real passion for or you're, you're generally just yourself really curious about, that's going to be massively, massively help you make that transition. I think that's a big takeaway that, that I would give to your listeners. Yeah, mm. I, I genuinely think that if I wasn't in this industry, I wouldn't be in recruitment. Yeah, okay. Um, I don't think I mm. would have enabled to motivate myself that long, um, even though we're on a slightly different journey now and approaching it in a different way. Um, it's still a very key part of our offering. And that, for me, is, is really critical to get up in the morning to feel like you've got purpose. Yeah, for sure. Um, and it, dep- you know, it dep- all depends on people's personal motivators. And if it's uh, you know, the classic recruitment uh, of making money and, and kind of wanting to do that, then that's totally cool too. And, and perhaps actually create the creative industries or something that you're passionate about isn't going to provide that. Mm. And you need to follow growth markets and, and kind of big ticket fees. But that just wasn't my that main drive that wasn't your call it took yeah. me a bit of time to realize that but um yeah for me it's about being really involved in the sector that you're in okay so one of the most common things that um i get asked to ask people is around um business development growing teams mm. and managing that whole thing so it's, i think it's fair to say that moving on and fast forwarding in your career you've pretty much done that ever since leaving that two-year stint event group to then build a team then you build a business you're building a business now mm. so i think that let, let's jump into some sort of real core things that you've really learned the hard way yeah in that process um i think the first thing building a desk building a team put the people aside a second what, what's always your advice around this or when you help people build a desk or whatever because that that is a real challenge for people the whole business development piece winning clients it is well yeah it's difficult yeah it's the, it's the hardest, <laughs> part, it's the hardest what, part of the job that's what i mean and when you throw the you know the the recruitment conundrum of managing and billing mm. but when you're on your first management job um it's it's super hard because you have to almost start to learn your your kind of process around management yourself and you have to do that on top of maintaining your billing mm. um, and that's really difficult um my my advice to that would be first of all i think you need to be really clear that that's what you want to do okay because i think and i've seen this in lots of people i've managed over the years that it becomes an assumption that that's the right thing to do that's interesting not it's not what they want to want do. To do yeah. They're still driven by, well, if I'm going to progress my career, I must be managing a team. Mm. And I, uh, my status is defined by the size of that team or the revenue that that team's generating. Or if you go more into the detail, the EBITDA conversion and the influence and impact it's having on the wider business. Um, and I think that's changing now. And mm. for me... Um, if you are going to go down that route, you need to be, it's hard and you need to be really clear with yourself, I think, that that's what you want to do. Mm. And this is the management piece, right? Because a lot yeah, of people absolutely. can get forced into it if they're a big biller, right? It's totally. like, it's like totally. Ross, you're billing 500k, mate. Can you make four more Rosses, please? Yeah. Um, <laughs> and I was. And, <laughs> and I did. And, uh, I, I really didn't. I made some <laughs> catastrophic mistakes. Um, but that, for me, is part of the learning process. And yeah. It's essential to do that. And, and I think you also have to be aware of the business that you're doing, doing it in. Mm. 
And I think that's an important point because I think the worst mistake that you can make going into management is just manage from your learned experience and take the way that you were managed and replicate it. Interesting. Because the industry is evolving at such a pace that actually I think what makes a good manager and what makes a good leader is changing. The way to motivate people is changing and mm. has changed a lot um, over the period that I've been in recruitment. And culture in recruitment agencies is changing, as, as you well know mm. and see, I'm sure. And I think if you just keep that learned experience and that just moves down from generation to generation... Um, stagnates. It stagnates completely. Mm. Interesting. Okay. And then j just help me out here. When you, so when I'll you, try. <laughs> when you built, built the team, yeah. when you was employed, yeah. when you got to board level, yeah. how big that, how big did that team become? Oh, not massive. Uh, you know, the whole headcount of the business was at the time was only 30. Okay. Uh, so I had a team of seven. Seven. Okay. Yeah. And, and then we were doing about one and a half million in revenue, I think at that time. Okay. And then Gemini people. Yes. I feel like that was pretty big. From what I remember seeing online, I don't know loads. Like yeah. how many? Head, what headcount did that get to? Uh, I think at its peak when we left, we well we had an office in London and a small office of five in Birmingham. Okay. Uh, and the London headcount was about fifty-five. Wow. Um, across about five markets within what we broadly term the creative industries. Okay. A common thing that a lot of people ask me is around that because I mean there's a lot of stats out there but 80% um, of the recruitment industry in the UK supposedly mm. employs sub 10 staff right yeah so I think I've had the message quite a lot where it's like Hisham if you've got someone that's taken you know 10 people 20 people to 30 people to 50 people like yeah. that whole journey is difficult right yeah so I guess let's think about that for a second. I'm sure there's loads in there. So much. Yeah. <laughs> like so much. Yeah. But like, what do you think were some of the sort of key preventers in hindsight now that prevented you from well, increasing head talent and growing? There was ultimately the benefit for us of having some venture capital money behind yeah. us. Okay. So a lot of people who found recruitment businesses don't have that. Very true. And that's, to that's totally cool. It's just a different journey. Um, but the pressures of that journey, of course, are that if there is funds in your business, you are expected to scale quickly mm. because they want a return ultimately at a point yeah. on that investment. And if you, ha if you grow to 10 people or less, there's no substantial return. Sure. Um, so it becomes a different game that you're playing. That's very true, actually. But within that business life cycle, there are natural barriers, I think, like the 20 person yeah. to 30 market. You hear that a lot, don't you? Yeah, really difficult, really difficult. Um, you have to think about the business completely differently. And we actually, at that point, we made a difficult decision um, looking introspectively and going, actually, we don't know if we're capable of this. Really? And we haven't got the experience of having done that before. And this was a collaborative conversation with our investor at the time as well. And we brought in a very experienced CEO um, who had run one of the Michael Page brands, uh, Michelle Watson. And she was brilliant. And she was very pivotal in our personal development okay. and the development of the business. I think maybe a lot of recruitment owners or business owners would find that difficult to kind of go... To bring someone in. Yeah, and to mm. go, you know, 
this is my brand, this is mine, this is my uh, time investment. I run this show, but actually perhaps I'm not experienced enough mm. to run this. But it's so much it. you're doing for the first time in that, on that journey, right? Yeah, in your late 20s. Yeah, that's <laughs> what I mean. Like, There's just so much you're doing for the first yeah, time. Yeah, so much. Like, yeah. I think you'd be, I mean, I don't think you would have got to that point sort of thinking that you knew it all, right? No. Do you know Absolutely what I mean? not. So it, and you have to accept very early on that you don't know a lot. <laughs> <laughs> so um, what, 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 what did this lady really help you with then that sort of was pivotal to getting past those 20, well, 30 think, head barriers? Yeah, I think the impact of, of her influence is thinking like a big business and starting to bring that kind of architecture of clear career paths, um, career development for people, back office support, bringing that in-house, mm. um, starting to think about important decisions around factoring your money to grow your freelance book, um, motivation of staff members to, to aid retention. You know, I think when, when you're less than, when you're 10 to 15 people, everybody knows each other. Yeah. It's like, we're in this together. together we go yeah. out together. We work together. We go on incentive trips together. And you can maintain quite a low churn. Yeah. I think once you start to get to 30, 40, onto 50, you can't maintain that level of relationship yeah. with everybody. Yeah. So well, yeah, one of the agency owners I had on before, Sean, he said that he's at sort of um, past 30 heads now, and he said that it got to a point where like, he had to stop hiring people that he thought were just like, like, were like him, if that makes sure. sense. Absolutely. Because like, you, can't, you can't, yeah, it gets to that point where you can't have that you, with you everyone. You absolutely can't. And, and well, you know, we could have a whole nother episode on the importance of hiring people that aren't like you to bring <laughs> diverse thought into yeah. your business and, and kind sure. of, you know, being involved in the creative industries to kind of future-proof any business. It's important that they harness diversity of thought. And um, that's a whole, whole nother thing. Yeah, whole nother thing. Conversation. Yeah. That's fair um, enough. And, it, and, you know, I, whilst I'm driving that now in what I do, at that point, I didn't have a clue about yeah. anything like that. I, I thought there was a benefit of hiring people that were like me that wanted to go for a beer with me. Yeah. Um, and, and we see that in lots of businesses that are small. Mm. Um, but even when you get to a over 30 as, as Sean said and you can't it's not even possible to hire in that way and you have to accept difference mm. um, you then have to understand how to motivate different people yeah. that actually different people from different backgrounds want different things they don't all just want to go to the pub yeah. um, and that's totally great um, but again it's a completely different mindset yeah Okay, so I guess, would your advice be then, because I think this has been one of the great things about this po podcast, it's become way more prevalent now, so in terms of having mentors, in terms of yeah. having access to people that have trodden the path, right, have, have taken a recruitment business to 20, 30, 50 heads, and that yeah. doesn't necessarily mean that they have to invest in your business to have that relationship, right? Um, yeah. do, do you get what I mean? So I guess I do, yeah. for people that are at that stage or whatever, that's pretty sound advice to actually seek that because there are a lot of people willing to help, right? I think so. Yeah, absolutely. I think so. um, one of the reasons that I went, I did it in the first place and made that commitment to to start Gemini was the investor relationship and the mm. fact that we were going into business with, you know, one of the most successful recruitment entrepreneurs. Yeah. Full stop. Um, and you know, at twenty six, I was like, well, this is my wealth creation vehicle. Yeah, you know, yeah, if yeah. I can't do it with this dude, <laughs> then what's the point? Uh, you know, I remember skipping home thinking, yeah, this know, is it. I made it. Yeah, done it. 
I'm on this. Yeah. Um, okay. You know, it didn't quite turn out like that, but <laughs> <laughs> that's, uh, that's the lessons that, that you yeah. learn. But mentorship, I think, is, 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 is really important, actually. Mm. Um, and we talk to people that work for us now to seek mentors, mm. personal mentors, um, to help you on that career journey, uh, for sure. And, and they don't even have to be from recruitment. For sure, yeah. I think if you're a recruitment owner or a board member, anybody that's scaling a business or has experience of growing a business has something valuable to valuable. offer. Valuable, yeah. Because they will have learned something on that journey. And when you're looking at a PL, when you're budgeting, when you're making hiring decisions, when you're trying to convert margin, it's the same in any industry. Mm. Uh, so I actually think there's there's as much advice, as uh, much advice that you can you can kind of seek outside of the recruitment world. Yeah. Okay, so just to to wrap that up, I think it'll be really valuable. We don't have to go into all the nitty gritty details, but I think a lot of people listening, <clears throat> even some even some of my clients now, are that because you know you said that you wasn't the typical classic big biller, um, and then you spinned off, started your own thing, blah blah blah. You got that investment, right? Yeah. So there will be a lot of people listening that are maybe considering and having their own recruitment business, are at that sort of uh, stage now where they're like, can I do it on my own? What are the pros and cons of investors and these types of things? Because I think the conversations that I've had quite simply is it can be quite maybe you can relate to this maybe this you can tell me it's true or not but if i'm a recruit right now and i'm a 300 400k bill or whatever and i'm mm. like i can do this i can do it why am i putting money into ross's pocket right i can do it myself sure yeah and obviously in, having an investor and having that vehicle and access to that cash and the and that advice and mentorship is obviously really appealing but I feel like the conversation I've had, the typical perception is, well, that means they're just going to take more money out of my pocket sort of thing. Do you get what I mean? Yeah. So to sort of wrap up your experience, again, I have to go into all the details, but the sort of pros, there's always going to be pros and cons, right? But for people considering starting on their own, pros and cons of having an investor and sort yeah. of your learning experience, what, what would be the sort of key things would you say for people to think about when they're considering engaging with Ross, the investor that can help me build my recruitment business? And maybe that might happen one day. Wee -hee. Yeah, we can hope. <laughs> Still dreaming. Nice. Um, it's a really good question. Um, and actually, one of the reasons why I love your podcast is that you're always driving to take advice for your listeners. Yeah. Uh, so hopefully I can say something <laughs> useful. Um, I think the first thing is you have to make the decision of what you want to achieve. Interesting. And... People said this to me when I was on the journey. Why aren't you doing this for yourself? Wow. Um, and the reason that I was doing that was probably because I wasn't confident enough. If I'm being completely transparent. Yeah. I had the safety net of a basic salary. Interesting. Uh, because of the investor relationship and because of the cash we had at the start. Uh, so I was kind of in this in the halfway house of being a true startup founder that's bootstrapping to almost having this little bit of a privilege of champions league recruitment of can you grow this business to 20 people in year one and here's some cash to go and hire some brilliant people and you can pay yourself mm. that's that was a privilege but it de-risked the proposition for mm. me so i made a personal decision that at that time in my life at 26 years old i wasn't ready for that 100% level of risk. Okay. So you have to be totally committed if you're going to do it. Mm. 
that's my my kind of first thing and and balance the type of journey that you want to go on mm. um, because now we're doing it in a, in a very different way um, the second thing is the investor relationship uh, and if you are going to seek investment I think now you have to be so mindful of the person that you're working with mm. um, and do you really try and actively bit like you got to really try and build a relationship like do you know what I mean I don't know that's if I was if, if I was to if you were to invest in my business right yeah I just would really have to feel like it's got to be more than you just supplying cash in my opinion obviously there's different types of investor relationships I totally agree there? with you yeah I don't know that's just for me like I don't know that's what how I I'd totally think. agree with you and and you know and as a in the naive way I approached it at the time yeah um I didn't know or even think about those things. Mm, I just enough. thought, uh, wow, here's some cash from a really successful guy. Yeah. Let's roll with this. Um, and whatever he says, he's done this loads of times, so that's probably right. Yeah, okay. Um, and I think the, the third thing, actually, which is really important and a massive learn for me, is you have to work with an investor that is going to create a fair deal for all of you. Mm. And I think that if that isn't the case at the start and again with my my naivety i just assumed of course it's going to be fair right yeah, yeah, yeah um and it wasn't and that breeds resentment in the relationship yeah and, and that's only going to just toxic. keep yeah it's only going to keep rising isn't it as you be totally. more, as you become more successful as you do yeah as you build your business yeah that's really interesting i think there's some good things there to think about thanks <laughs> <laughs> Maybe, let's hope so. Um, okay, mate. Two final things yeah. um, before we move on to your own personal uh, journey um, with, the, with, with sort of your mental health experience. Mm -hmm. um, through your time in recruitment, yep. what, like when you think about the best recruiters you've worked with, what, what are the common things that you're seeing in those people? It's a good question, but I think it's changed. Obviously, mm. I've been in this a long time. Yeah. Um, you know, there are the, there are the classic characteristics of tenacity and, and resilience. Yeah. You know, but the business I run now is not a billing desk business, mm. and so what we look for at Hidden um, is very different to how I uh, used to hire across the previous two businesses. Mm. That makes sense. And even actually, I think the the way that recruitment is changing and the expectations of clients, which is one of the reasons why we are building a, a business with a different model, um, means that you need to, to have a slightly different skill set now. Uh, I think even if you're in a billing role, you need to be more consultative. You need to have deeper relationships. You need to be more of an expert than the internal talent team that they mm. have already in many cases. Um, and I think that that's really important. Um, we talked about new business earlier, right? Yeah. You know, you still need drive. You still need tenacity. You still need to be comfortable with rejection. Um, but actually, I think the the world of work is changing and if you can bring more to a client than just a great candidate that's how you need to approach recruitment now mm, okay interesting does that make sense yeah that, no that makes sense i talked around the answer a no bit no there. no that's fine <laughs> oh, no, i'm happy with that i think that makes sense and it, it leads into the, my next question really because i think you're in a really unique position to um talk about this so 
Let's just talk a bit about Hidden for a second. As you said, approaching it with a new model, yeah. building on what you said. And um, I, I'd, I'd love to sort of get your thoughts on where you think recruitment's going. I mean, you've been, been in over a decade. Like, where's, yeah. what is the net, what's your thoughts on the, on the next decade, right? The future of recruitment. I think obviously you're trying to build a business with that in mind, right? Absolutely. Future proof recruitment, yeah. whatever you want to call it. Yeah. So what, so what, what, is, the, what is your model then? Well, first of all, I think it's such an exciting time yeah. to be in talent, whether it is HR tech, whether it's recruitment, um, the investment coming into the industry is huge at the moment. Um, I met a really interesting guy the other day from eBay and, and he talked about two billion going into HR tech broadly in a year in 2017 and in 2018 there was two billion investment per quarter wow um so it's a really exciting time and there's so much innovation but the reason that we founded hidden was with that in mind um i think that the market is changing so yeah. quickly um and we wanted to approach that in a different way so our business model, I mean, we talk about our mission being to create talent and culture strategies to make a better working world. Uh, and part of that is recruitment. Um, but also it's about looking at the broad talent acquisition kind of spectrum of services, which for me includes the employer brand. It includes a strategy around diversity and inclusion. It uh, includes a different way of interviewing talent and a different candidate experience. Um, and we underpin that with technology. So our technology removes bias from the early part of the process. Um, so candidates are presented through our app without name, age, gender, and education. Wow, that's really interesting. So we're trying to drive more diverse talent into the organizations that we work with. Um, and we've completely removed the FIPA hire structure. Mm. So we work on a quarterly subscription model with our clients for unlimited hiring. So mm. it's changing the mindset and changing the way that people think about talent and, and being, so we're embedded in all our clients' organizations mm. and being inside an organization and partnering with them at that level, every decision becomes around what's best for their business, yeah. not what's best for the recruiter and their fee. That's so interesting. I think just before we sort of segue on, I think um, you said obviously the, the industry is changing these types of things, definitely, mm. but there's a lot of people, there's so many, I would say there's more businesses not changing. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Because yeah. I think if you think of your competition, yeah, and if you think of the agencies you come up against, they're trying to take ultimately money out of the budget that you're going for and presenting for that quarterly subscription or whatever. Yeah. There's way more businesses that um, aren't changing. Do, do you know what I mean? Totally. And I think that that's also, that's why I love the fact that You've approached it that way, and I think that sort of ties into me. Really, I'm just doing doing something because it feels right and it's in the moment, and things are changing. Do you know what I mean? But there's so many people not changing because I say it every day. Yeah. Um, so yeah, it's interesting that I think. And I love the businesses that we compete with and mm. that are changing with us. Yeah. Because there's not many. That's what I mean. And we are literally opening the, the door for each other. Yeah. Um, and as you're so right, there are tens of thousands of businesses yeah. uh, across the country working in a traditional and in my view dated model yeah. that needs to evolve mm. um, and we wanted to try and provide a solution at the front of that and if you look at 
you know, data and reports like LinkedIn Global Staffing Trends report, the number one issue globally in talent yes. is diversity and inclusion. Diversity and inclusion, yeah. And the traditional fee-per-hire structure of the recruitment industry doesn't bring value, value yeah, in terms of those issues because you're incentivized by filling as many roles as you can, as so quickly true. as you can. Mm. Uh, so we want to be involved in social and cultural change. Um, and that's really important to us personally as a leadership team and all the people that work for us. Uh, so you talk about things that we look for when we hire. wasn't even on my radar in previous businesses, but now we look for people that are excited and motiva- motivated by creating impact. Mm, that's amazing. Okay. Ross. Yes. What underpins all of this? It's a good question. Is, I think, um, you being you being as a person, yeah. however old you are in part of your journey to, to deal with what your professional and life chucks at you, right? Mm-hmm. Massively. Yeah? So I think that this, is, this is what I'd like to use to sort of segue into mental health. Um, I think to set, set the tone for me personally and why I wanted to really try and use this platform to talk about it in a real way and mm-hmm. a practical way yeah. is particularly in how, how connected we are today, it's so easy to use um, and talk about mental health, which is brilliant and amazing and uh, great however i think at the same time there's also danger with that when people can very easily talk about yeah i've really struggled with my mental health this week and just use it so loosely without any so i think when i last did something around this on the sort of mental health awareness week it was just i just really wanted to actually give people a platform like yourself to actually give some real context Mm. around it rather than oh like yeah i had a tough week with my mental health this week what do you mean by that? Do you mm. get what I mean? And I yeah. think, yeah, but it is difficult at the same time. It's very difficult. It's a difficult thing um, for people to talk about full stop. Yeah. But, but what I do take from what you just said as a positive yeah. is that when I started in recruitment, as you keep referencing such a long time ago, <laughs> no, no one, one yeah, would have that's said fair that. enough. So actually that we've made progress for, sure. for the conversation to be oh, Even be visible out there to visible. happen. What what I want to do and, you know, brilliant things like World Mental Health Day and Mental Health Awareness Week is to continue to normalize the conversation. Yeah, sure. And I think that's um, the journey that, that we should all be on. For sure. To make it okay and understand it for people to kind of stand up and go, actually, do you know what? I'm not okay. Yeah. Um, and an example of that in our business every Friday, we have all our talent partners back on site and uh, in our office and everybody comes together and we have an all hands meeting. First thing we do in that all hands meeting is have a check in and we go round every single person. And in one word, they say how they're feeling. Wow. And it's totally cool. And we have, hopefully everyone would agree the culture of if they're not feeling great, they just the say, and that's fine. Mm. Okay. Um, there's a lot of businesses now talking about doing more around mental health, right? Yeah. What have you actually been doing as a business owner? Like things like this, because I think obviously the, the video I watched uh, before we did this to get some context was um, Sanctus. That's how you uh, pronounce it, right? Yeah. Um, and so, yeah, what, as a business owner, 
give some sort of practicality. What have you done to sort of try and make it, as you just said, a more safer place within your organization to talk about their mental well-being? So I think there's a few things. Um, I think the first thing starts with actually your position in leadership and the culture stems from you around this type of conversation. And the first thing I had to do was for me to be vulnerable yeah. and to open up on my journey and struggles with mental health to everybody that worked for me. Mm. And you know, I think they looked at that and went, okay, right, cool. Well, if he's done that. Yeah, so I was gonna say, why, did right you, why do you have to start there? Because Ross, the, my Matt boss, well, hang on a minute, he's been through that. Just, I don't know, it's way more relatable, is it? Just I think like, it becomes ingrained in there, the organizational culture and systems, that it's okay then to talk about how you If it's feeling. coming from the top. Yeah. Mm. And I think, and, you know, I love the guys at Sanctus, and we are a Sanctus partner, and, and what that means for any listeners that don't know is that our organization has a Sanctus coach. So all of our employees can book time with that coach to work on their mental health. And it's amazing. Um, and for me, I think, and chatting to the, the team there, is that if the organizational culture isn't prepared to normalize the conversation, have that level of vulnerability, but they engage with something like Sanctus, I think it's seen as box ticking. Mm. This is only my view. Yeah, no, no. very complicated. But this is what topic. I was trying to get. This is what I was trying to speak about. Yeah, you d we don't want it to be a box ticking thing. We absolutely That's don't. The thing. So I think the organisational culture has to be set up for for things like Sanctus to succeed. Yeah. Um, and that's what I wanted to achieve first by by kind of talking very openly about the journey that I've been on. Um, and then all of our employees book Sanctus time and talk about their Sanctus time to each other. And we've created the mindset that it's just like going to a class at the gym and working mm. on your physical health. They go and spend time with their Sanctus coach and work on their mental health. And that's how normal the conversation has become in our organization. Okay. And it started with you being vulnerable, you obviously also partnering with another business that can, um, yeah, help help uh, breed that culture that you're just talking about. Um, let talk, talk, obviously this is this is about you and your journey, right? So let's let's talk a bit about that for a second because I watched that video and I thought it was um, amazing how uh, you opened up to the team with with your journey and these things. And I think that that's like the hardest thing, right? Yeah. Do, do you know what I mean? Yeah, I'm getting a knot. I mean, <laughs> if we talk about being open around your mental health and vulnerability, yeah, I, I now have a knot in my stomach, I have clammy hands, Yeah, I'm making marks on the desk, Yeah, because I know what's coming. Uh, <laughs> and you know, building up to it. we're here to talk about mental health, so I'm comfortable sharing this, but it's taken since 2012 for me to get to the point where I'm able to talk about this yeah. to other people openly. Mm. Uh, which is the first thing, um, but you can see from my yeah, I can tell reaction. Well, we we all appreciate it, mate. <laughs> Thanks. Um, just hold your shit together. With you. <laughs> um, so yeah, you know, it's it's been an, a really challenging journey for me in recruitment because as a founder of Gemini People, I went on uh, this particular journey only. 10 months into starting that business. Oh, wow, okay. Um, so to, yeah, to give the context, I was 
um, heli skiing. Um, yeah, very privileged thing to say. Um, of course, uh, in Canada um, with a group of mates. And, um, you know, unfortunately, the most tragic thing happened and we were caught in a very severe avalanche which was a mile and a half wide and um, nearly two meters deep. And um, unfortunately, there was uh, two losses of life and uh, it was horrendous. You know, it was a complete life pivot in many ways. And how old were you? Was you at this point 26? I was, 27? Yeah. yeah. Fucking hell. That's yeah. tough, man. Yeah, I can't, even, I can't even comprehend that. It, it was brutal and... I think in so many in so many ways was it challenging. You're going from like fulfilling a life dream, yeah. of saving for nearly two years to do this unbelievable experience with your like closest with your friends, best mates. Yes, yeah. um, and the scene was unbelievable. There was blue sky, there was powder snow, there was mountains of untracked, beautiful um, opportunity, and um, it turned into nothing else other than an absolute nightmare. Yeah. Um, and, and the remoteness of heli skiing means that you are the rescue operation. Um, so it was a full-on disaster zone. Mm. Uh, and unfortunately, you know, someone very close to me and, and somebody else lost their life in that yeah. incident. Um, and obviously it affected me uh, greatly. And that was the catalyst and the sort of moment where Ross, the recruitment entrepreneur, the business owner, had the whole... I had my world turned upside down. Yeah, yeah. Just like that. That that is the craziest thing about this life for me, even individually, is that is that, like, it, like literally, it can be turned on its head. Yeah. Ten o four a.m. on the twenty first of March. Yeah. You'll Bye. never you'll never forget that. Oh mate, I've got goosebumps. Yeah. I still it it, it still affects me. So let's talk a bit about Ross. Then after this tragic event, had to get back to his normal life, right? Yeah, so, had to how? reintegrate into a business that I just started. Yeah, um, and society and my uh, fiance at the time and my family and our friends um, and the families of those that have passed away. Yeah, uh, and the police, um, mm. the police investigation. Um, yeah, it was it was full on and. Um, you know, I suffered with post-traumatic stress disorder. Um, I think I still do. Yeah. Uh, I don't think it will ever go away. Mm. Um, it's hidden a lot of the time. Mm. Um, but I would say probably once every couple of months, I still have a nightmare. Yeah. And uh, that might be suffocating under snow. It yeah. might be reliving the experience vividly. I'd, there are all sorts of triggers that bring that back that affects my work. Um, it turns up in imposter syndrome in my decision making. Really? Because the morning of that, the the evening, sorry, before that day, you know, I saw a very small avalanche in the trees while we were sitting outside having a beer and I just chose not to say anything. Say anything, so, yeah. And I kind of then questioned my decision making when now we've got a whole team of people working for us whose welfare we're responsible yeah, for yeah, and whose ultimately that. lives are dependent on our business. Have I got the right, this is my imposter syndrome, have yeah. I got the right to, to make those decisions? Yeah, 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 yeah. So it turns up in, in that regard as well. Um, but I went through uh, counselling in the traditional sense. Yeah. Wasn't working. Um, so I then went for CBT therapy, which okay. kind of hypnosis effectively, accessing yeah. the unconscious and yeah. changing my own perception of my memories, 
which funnily enough uh, only came to light through <laughs> Peter Andre <laughs> um, in his my mother-in-law uh, seeing it on his Twitter. Account. Oh wow. And she was like, there's this charity in Manchester that looks after troops returning with post-traumatic stress disorder. Why don't you go and chat to them? Again, imposter syndrome raised its head like these troops are coming back from Afghanistan. Here's like a privileged recruiter who's yeah, been in yeah, a skiing yeah. accident. How the hell do I fit in? Yeah. But they were amazing. Mm. Three days intense therapy from like nine in the morning till five in the evening. Wow. Back to back. Um, helped uh, undeniably. What what I'd love to sort of understand from you is um, for you to talk a bit about is like some real sort of practical things that you because at the end of the day, like this is sort of my view on it, right? Is like there's no way that like for me, like like you can't always be happy, in my in my opinion. Yeah, like it's part of life. There's peaks and troughs. Just yeah. life in general, right? It's just they're just it's just fucking mental right yeah so like from your from your whole journey from that moment until now you said some you have triggers and it appears and these types of things which is expected what sort of things have you now included in your life that have helped have sort of you've equipped yourself with to help you deal with the day-to-day -day life and sometimes these triggers and those sorts of things what anything practical there yeah that's a really interesting question um well, the first thing to talk about, I think, is that my perception of mental health has changed massively. Okay. And I now understand that we all have mental health. Yeah. And we all sit on a continuum every day. Yeah. And we go up and down that mm. continuum. What happened to me was an ex really extreme, extreme event that pushed me to one scale of sure, this continuum sure. in a very short space of time. And I took... Um, extreme action to overcome that event and that bring myself sense. to the middle of the continuum yeah. with my therapy and with a year later we went back to the same mountain at the same oh, wow. time with the same people wow. and dropped in and rode the same hill wow jesus <laughs> wow that's that's mental massive goosebumps that, um, that that's mental and that was closure yeah yeah, yeah. Closure i i, I totally event. understand why you would do that um, so that's the extreme, extreme of an extreme event. And sure. I hope to, that any listener never has to go through that or yeah. needs to have that kind of extreme management. So, but day to day thinking about this continuum for not only me and my employees, there are, there are lots of things that we, we encourage and I would advise anybody to take moments of self care mm. to make sure that you don't stray too far from balance on yeah. this continuum. And that can be as, as as little as a walk around the block, a walk with your dog when you get home, the classic doing your day plan at the end of the day so you're not taking your yeah. tasks home with you. Um, we practice um, things like check-ins in, in meetings, but also you know walking meetings, uh, enabling people to take time out to listen to music, mm. uh, exercise. It, what's been amazing is for me to learn the link between physical health and mental health. Oh my God, health. that's so big. From an exercise point of view. Crazy. You know, it's it, in recruitment particularly, it used to be so frowned on, and maybe it is in many businesses still. If you went to the gym at 11 o'clock or three o'clock, mm. and, and our culture and my view is that that is so great for the mental health oh, yeah. 
of our employees and they're unable to enjoy the gym mm. experience because Mo motion, it's quieter. Motion creates emotion. Like it's, there it's, you go. It's, motion creates... That should be another tattoo. I love that. <laughs> that that's totally stolen from Tony Robbins. Like, oh, is it? Really? Yeah, yeah. That's. Tony but he Robbins. says that all the time, just because, mate. Hundred percent. If I if I, it doesn't even have to be the gym. But even even if it's like doing ten press ups now, I'm gonna feel better. Yeah. It's it's just yeah. So that. So we can do a ten press up challenge. No. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah. So okay. So some real stuff there. And I think what what you mentioned just there that I've been on my own journey through my own. Um, process is what you said there in self-love and I think for me like being more self-aware <clears throat> is what people should really be thinking about yeah. and trying to access because when when you say self-love if you've actually made the time to look at the person in the mirror and trying to understand the person in the mirror and actually trying to work out what self-love means and what you do like to do what you don't like to do what does sometimes can cause you more stress and these types of things it it can enable you to make the right decisions so you are um in better environments that can set you up to not ex like experience whatever it is you're experiencing do you get what i mean yeah so i think that that's really important to think about as well is like you're saying self-love and make the time like all the little things you're saying there and then also in my own experiences like really try and think about what you want to do more of, what you want to do less of, and find out what works for you, because we're all different, right? Totally. I think that's, that's really important as well. And if you think about the questions that we addressed at the start of this podcast around personal motivation, yeah. around understanding your decision to found a business, it's all about understanding your why yeah. and getting comfortable with yourself to go on this journey, mm. um, particularly as a founder. Um, aside from the extreme experience I had, you know, the pressure of cash flow, the rejection of losing clients, the, um, you know, the pressure of having a, a staff that you're responsible for, yeah. the bad days, that typical roller coaster of founder life. I mean, I'm grateful to have uh, an amazing wife that's enabled me to do this twice. And the support I have at home yeah. is critical to that, as well as having a co-founder that I can share this with. Mm. I think solo founders have it so much harder and that's why you see, I think, 70% of entrepreneurs have mental health problems. Yeah. Um, so you've got to be comfortable with yourself, your emotions. And that's why I feel my responsibility to share this now with my team and, and now on this podcast, oh, it's gone out into the wherever, <laughs> um, yeah. which is the first time I've done that. Yeah. You know, no. I've supported an amazing guy called Guy Tolhurst who, who has his... Um, his his business called Mindful Investor, which is um, targeting the VC community to manage the VC founder relationship, relationship yeah. from a mental health point of view, because I went through that experience of it not being managed well. Mm. You know, I came back and went into a board meeting um, and I was challenged immediately about why I blanked on my billings. Fuck me. Um, and I remember fucking I perspective, talking like. to my co-founder Richard this morning about this and he remembers when I sat down in the chair there were some new chairs in the boardroom and I went oh this is comfy and the response goes don't get too comfortable wow why haven't you billed I'm like what <laughs> um, yeah and, it's crazy you know with, with Guy and talking to the VC community around the pressures of being in that funding cycle and scaling to create return, mm. when you choose your investor now, you have to think so really much think about, about that, that personal relationship and how yeah. they're going to offer you support. How have you, um, 
you just touched on it then, I think as well, some the the, the things that I've um, read around mental health and these types of things. Like how how have you obviously you said your your partner, which is amazing, family and these types of things, but there there's a lot there's a lot of lonely people out there, right? Yeah. Do, do you know what I mean? So I don't yeah, know, have you had it the link between loneliness yeah, and that's mental what I mean. health is and yeah. um have you had any experience in or I don't know, any advice for people how they can I don't know, try and get a bit more comfortable or what I don't know, just how can people meet more people like them or start to speak to people about this sort of stuff you got because that that's fucking difficult in itself and you need people around yeah. you yeah and it's a di i can offer a perspective on this but mm. i've never experienced it because yeah. i'm really fortunate to have had have the network this support i mean even when we landed back from canada in bits yeah. there was 30 to 40 yeah, people see. my mates at the airport waiting for us and that's, and that's a, so special. Oh, mate, it's a complete privilege. And we've got this global network of people that went through that experience together and we all still support each other. Um, but I was still in a way very lonely with my emotions mm. because I felt no one could understand. Mm, that makes sense. Um, and that's my, I suppose, my reference point to loneliness. I think if you're experiencing that as a founder or, or a recruiter, um, that you have to use the power of social media to get onto meetup to, yeah. to to openly ask for support and mentors or advice or coffees with people that it, it takes an support. element of action doesn't it it, it does unfortunately as, sure. as as difficult as that is yeah because it is um i mean i haven't experienced it to the degree of having been feeling really lonely and no one understands me and that sort of thing but moving to london and i had a really close friendship group at home and moving to london on my own with one friend like i've ex i mean you, the weirdest thing i think in life is that you can feel more than one now what friend <laughs> yeah <laughs> but the, the thing that just to sort of finalize that which i think is just it, it is really difficult is in this really connected world when you live in a busy city, like you are on a daily basis connected to so many people and you're surrounded by so many people, but you can feel so lonely. Yeah. And I think that that is just like really difficult. Do you know mm. what I mean? Like I could today get in the tube, go home and just uh, that whole journey, I'd have been surrounded by all these people, mm. but I get home and I'm like, fucking hell, like, well, do you let, know what I mean? You know, let me turn this back onto you and mm. interview you for a second because you are doing this amazing thing with the recruitment roller coaster in your personal branding business on your own. Yeah. Um, I know you've created a relationship with Hunted right at mm. the moment. Um, was that to counter some of that? Yeah, I think definitely. I think for me, which I'm extremely grateful for now, I knew that I could not not be surrounded by humans mm. doing this on my own. I I just knew that about myself. Like, there's just no way. I'm I I can I'm comfortable with my own skin, but I need to. I would need I need to be around people. So from day one, I wanted to have the access to other people be surrounded by other people if I could and and that has been like extremely beneficial mm. but those other people so my co-founder relationship there's an element of um respect for each other that mm. drives you to always work hard I mm. think how do you not have a lion in the morning if you just can't be asked or do you or like sometimes what? sometimes I definitely do yeah I think I think it boils I think it boils down to um <clears throat> understanding why I'm doing it yeah um that's what I that's what I so you feel think. comfortable that you found your wife and your yeah to a certain degree I, I always I do always struggle when I've always when I'm 
done this sort of personal development and stuff and it's like build your 10 year vision yeah I do struggle with that because I'm like oh it was this yesterday but I feel like it could be this today mm. and like but for me um, yeah I think I've I'm, I'm, I sort of have a really good understanding as to why I'm doing it and, it, and it's bigger than myself. Mm. It, it's, it's just bigger than me. Um, and I, I think that that's sort of what's helped me drive it. But at the same time, um, I met a, a coach probably four or so weeks ago and we had a really good conversation and it sort of happened quite organic, organically actually. And I've, I've actually had the typical perception of like quite skeptical about a life coach or yeah. a career coach or whatever. Yeah. Um, I had a really good conversation. We really got on. I actually really liked her background. It was in line with sort of what I'm thinking for my own business. And I said to her, you know what? It's, it's not the right time. Um, but th this week, after seeing a close friend, I emailed her saying, actually, no, like I, I, I do really want to actually build this relationship and I want to invest in it because there's one, there's never going to be the right time. Yeah. But I was actually over the last sort of four or six weeks, I've actually felt that I don't really have anyone holding me accountable besides myself and these types yeah. of things. I know that would be really benef beneficial. Yeah. And if I'm serious about being the best version of myself and building the best business I can, then yeah, I, I should be willing to invest in that. Yeah. If that makes sense. Yeah, absolutely. So I think I that's, totally agree with you. That, but that's the, the sort of twofold there really. So yeah, totally agree with you. Um, I think it, with hidden, we found our business purpose that drives mm. the both of us and our team, which is genuinely we are creating partnerships with our clients to create a better working world. Yeah, that's, and that's whilst special. We are on a journey to scale a business. We are excited about um, what we can do from a financial point of view for ourselves and our employees. And we're starting our EMI scheme to all benefit from this amazing journey that we're on we have the opportunity to look back with a legacy of yeah. going, we changed an industry mm. and we made it more equitable. Uh, we made it more diverse. We made it more caring. Yeah. And that's um, an amazing yeah. And I, I think that, I think that, I know you hear it all the time, like find your why and stuff like that, but it, 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 it's, it, it, it is really powerful. To, I think like what you just said there, all of your employees, they could turn like, what do you do, Ross? Well, I'm not a recruiter. Like, I'm actually trying to do what you just said. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? If you, if I answer this, if you answer that, yeah. quick, if I go to Ross, what do you do? Oh yeah, so I'm a recruitment entrepreneur and a business owner. You answer me that, or you just give me the answer that you just said. Yeah. Which one's more, which one's more powerful? Wants to get you up in the morning. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Well, totally. <laughs> That's the yeah. thing. So it's like. It is so. It, it is really powerful, and and it's important to think about. And I think this also ties quite nicely into um, the, the mental health piece, right? Because I think it, it really is worth that sort of self looking into yourself internally to really think about that, and it can really help you through fucking hard times. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and we um, don't just want to normalize the conversation around mental health internally, which I think hopefully we're doing a good job with. We want to do that in our clients too. Mm. Um, so we're in the process of launching, um, what we've called don't be hidden, um, which is our, really cool. our pledge and guide for our, our clients to make their businesses more mentally healthy, um, and mind and sanctus have supported with that. Um, in creating kind of culture hacks that these organizations can do for a minimal to no cost to make their businesses more mentally Amazing. healthy. So to finish this off, um, what 
someone listening right now who who may want to speak to someone or whatever how what what do you what like how do you think these what could these people do like could could they reach out to you could they would the best thing to be to reach out to to sanctus i don't know what what would you say would be a good action point for someone who's listening to this going you know what a lot of what ross has said or what i've said has actually resonated and i'm like who but what could they do do you know what i mean Yes, I I do understand your question. I think it totally depends on that individual. Sure. And, and that's why um, mental health as a topic needs to be an open conversation. For sure, yeah. Because it, indi- it is an individual need. Yeah. I think if businesses want to understand how they can be better for their employees, get in touch Definitely with me. Definitely speak I'm to you, totally yeah. Totally up Yeah, for individuals, di- but slightly different. If that. individuals feel like they need support uh, and again, it's that nuance between mental health and mental illness, which are two diff- very different things, mm. right? You can engage with a business like Sanctus to improve your mental health and coach. But if you feel like you have mental illness, you need to seek professional help mm. uh, and you need to go to the right places. And there are lots of helplines from Calm and Mind and other businesses yeah. that you can call to get that support and they will signpost you in the right direction for sure. Um, but I would just encourage anybody that is having any thoughts around this topic to chat to others because yeah, the more people that are talking about this the more normal the conversation becomes yeah and the more open and caring the world is yeah i think just just to finish that off all i would add because this is what i've sort of done for myself is actually um i'd really encourage people to um like really try and learn about it yeah um i've read a couple of books um one that easily stands out he's done loads of podcasts and on youtube a chap called johan hari he's actually from london and he's written a book called lost connections and that is a phenomenal book i can't say that word phenomenal it's a difficult word <laughs> but it sounds like a great book and one i've not read so yeah so um it's, it, no, it's amazing that, yeah. but all backed by stats and everything and I, I listened to the audio book it's, it's a really special book he's done loads of interviews on like the joe rogan podcast and things like that um but that that's what all i would say to wrap that up it really is worth trying to find out more about it um it is and encourage the conversation yeah. if you feel moved in any way by what we've been talking about is encourage the conversation in your own organization yeah challenge your leaders in your recruitment businesses or if you are a recruitment business owner think about this perspective moving forward because it is what everybody needs um thank you ross Thank for you. Uh, being vulnerable and sharing your story. I really appreciate it. It's a pleasure and it's really interesting the emotions I've gone through in this podcast because now I'm buzzing. Like genuinely, now I've told that and I've done that. Um, it's like, wow. I feel, what time is it? Is it can we have a beer? <laughs> <laughs> Thank you so much, mate. No problem. Thank you.